Welcome to Moves That Matter. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posey Jr. And as always, I am delighted to have you spend your time with me for about 30 minutes here on this Tuesday evening. Tomorrow's a big day. We're getting into early voting and we're in a season now where it is critical. All of our actions are critical and everything that we do is going to give us dividends. And we'll be able to look back and say what we did in this season to bring about a correction of the mistakes that some of us made allowing Donald Trump to be president and unrighteousness to rule in our country. There are people today who are dead because of how Donald Trump lied about what the real severity of the pandemic was. Uh, in a, in, a, in, in the, the Woodward book, it is, it is confirmed. His voice is on tape acknowledging he downplayed what should have been a full disclosure about what was really going on. As a result, it wasn't taken seriously by certain people, and many of those people died. His own supporters, many of them, died because of his handling. There are people in cages today, women who are being forced into uh, uh, hysterectomies uh, in various uh, camps, and uh, I call them concentration camps, and cages, uh, uh, immigrants, uh, because of how Donald Trump has handled race relations. And then I see that there are, there's a large mass of Latinos who have the audacity to see their countrymen in these cages and support Donald Trump. That is, that's, 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 that's unfathomable to me. And then, and then there's so much going on. So this is a major season. Before I get into my teaching again, part two of my teaching, I want to remind you about my book, which is entitled More Than Icons and Images, Uncovering the Hidden Protest Narrative of the black American male athlete in the 21st century. What the book talks about is, is how prominent black male athletes be, uh, over the years have used their celebrity and, and popularity to uh, have a, create a platform where they could talk about and voice their concerns about racial oppression in America. Uh, the book centerpiece of the book's perspective is the 1968 metal stand protest of Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Uh, and it uses that as a, as a launching pad into several other, uh, African American males who have used their platform of popularity to voice their concerns over the evil of oppression. Uh, Abdul, Raul, uh, Raouf, Chris Jackson, uh, uh, others, others have, 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 have spoken up. LeBron James has certainly spoken up. And, uh, there are several that I talk about in the book. And even what the NBA players did when, did when you, when you see them, uh, on their uniforms, they're using their platform. They're making statements on their uniforms about voting and love us and, and black lives matter. And so, uh, and black lives do matter. Let me just say this. And don't define black lives, the black lives matter movement by, by actions of some who may or may not be a part of the movement. Uh, that doesn't change the message that black lives do matter. Uh, we don't, we don't redefine the NRA because people use a illegal AR 15 to go in Sandy Hook and shoot up a whole school. We don't, we don't outlaw and say that uh, the NRA is bad. So just because a, 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 um, some people who, or who may or may not be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement have done some things that are unacceptable does not mean that the movement, the ideology of the movement is wrong. Black lives do matter. 
and uh, and the fact that there has to be a movement that points out the fact that black lives matter is evidence that for a vast number of the country, all lives don't matter. Because if I have to tell you that black lives matter, it doesn't make sense for you to be screaming all lives matter because if all lives matter, why aren't all lives being killed by the police in, in an alarming rate of the police stop? The most, one of the most dangerous places to be in for an African American or a black person is at a police stop. Your life it seems to be as much in danger at a police stop as it is at, 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 a, at a school now. So we have to be careful with that. So listen, that, that, I want to remind you about my book and the importance of all of these things that are going on. I'm going to be right back in this next segment. I'm going to talk about part two, which is the unifying power of faith. You don't want to miss this. Thank you for tuning in. Do me this favor, please. Hit share so we can get this word out. And I also have some information about getting picked up for early voting. There will be four sites to get you picked up every weekend for early voting. You do not want to miss this. I'll be right back. Hi, I'm back. I told you I would be right back with part two of the unifying power of faith, and I am here. Let me tell you something. Last week I introduced this, and I'm only going to talk about the introduction briefly because I want to get into what I want to talk about for part two. Last week I talked about how in Genesis chapter 11, uh, Moses teaches us, who's the author of that book, that people who can even have evil motives coming together are unstoppable except God get involved. The Tower of Babel would, was built and it was on its way to reaching the heavens. And God says, listen, these people who want to who make a city, which I have no problem with, are trying to build a tower up to heaven. The problem is that they are sinners and they're going to bring their sin to heaven. And I have a plan to eradicate, to connect heaven with earth, but it's not going to come from man. It's going to come from me. So God cannot let the Tower of Babel be built up to heaven because every builder of the Tower of Babel was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And they can't be accessing heaven without God sanctifying us them first through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God stops them. But he says, listen, if I don't stop them, everything they set their hands to do, they will be able to do it. And so that, that the principle there that's being taught is God telling us that anything people will come together to do, uh, that they unify about and get on the same page about and speak the same about and put the same effort in is possible. And the only thing that can stop that kind of effort is, is God, which says in turn that if people get together on the same page about a righteous call cause, which God can be involved in, it is unstoppable because they unify and God and about God's will and God is bringing will help them bring that thing to pass now so I want to begin to talk about the unifying power of faith and what can happen when we come together in faith which is to be in God's will based on God's promises and do things because we become unstoppable in the 17th chapter I said last week in the 17th chapter and uh, uh, verse number 21 uh, 20 and 21 God prayed Jesus prayed in his last long prayer called a high priestly prayer, God, Father, make them one as we are one. And then he says, 
he, he wants us to be one like we're one so that the world may believe that, that, that Jesus was sent by God. That tells me that when the church doesn't unify about faith, the world has a right to, to believe that God is not with us. It also says that when God, when we do unify, when we do come together, when we do get together collectively on a common cause, that it shows the world the power of faith and the power of Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 22, wheresoever two or three are gathered together in my name, together as touching anything, unified as touching anything, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. It says that Jesus is a, is, is in the midst of that. Jesus says he's in the midst of unity. I need us to understand when we get together on a righteous cause, God gets together, uh, with us in Jesus Christ. So let me begin to talk about some unity here and some principles about what it takes for us to unify. I was watching a, a, um, uh, Tracy boy sent me a video to watch and a sister, I think her name is Taslin. She was on the breakfast club, but she brought up an interesting principle about why it's hard to get uh, African-Americans unified to vote. And, I, and I'm trying to quote her because I, as a researcher, it's always important not to plagiarize, but to use what the information that you give, uh, give people credit for what they have done. This sister basically in theory was saying that it's hard to get African-Americans to unify to vote. Uh, like, uh, often Caucasians who are Republicans get together to vote because the white power structure has always been in place in America. And so they have, because the white power structure in her view has often, has already been in place. She suggests that they fight harder because they have tasted the power structure and they fight. Donald Trump, for example, is fighting so hard not to lose his power structure, because he he has experienced what it's like to be in power. He ex- has experienced the euphoria that comes from from having total control, from having those puppets in the Senate to do his bidding, to have people go against their own personal values. He understands the power that can be wielded by being in positions of authority, and he's fighting because he's experienced it at the privilege of power. In turn, her, her, her contention was that many black people are having trouble galvanizing the vote and are not willing to sacrifice what many uh, uh, white counterparts are willing to sacrifice because they have not experienced privilege, the privilege of power, because they have not experienced, experienced what, it would, what, it would, what it would mean to be in a position of authority and what you want to have happen actually come to pass. And I agree with her. There are many people in the African-American culture who who placate to the hopes of Donald Trump and stay divided and just are laissez-faire about voting. And I ain't voting. Ain't no big deal for me. And I don't make no difference. Many in African-American culture who don't see this as a powerful vote and they can make comments about uh, Kamala Harris and make silly statements like, I'm going to hold the black vote hostage. Because you don't understand quite yet what could happen if if we could unify and we could experience some real power. And don't you know, white supremacist groups are afraid of unified black black groups. Why do you think Rosewood was destroyed? Because a group of black people had come together and made a city. It was threatening. Why do you think Tulsa was burned down? 
because a group of black people had come together. Why do you think the civil rights uh, integrating schools and, 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 and George Wallace busted down the university, one of the doors at the University of Alabama fighting against uh, the brother, brother Mary from the opportunity to get into Alabama University. Why? Because they are afraid that if black people ever experience the education and opportunity to economics and the privilege that power has brought to some of them, they, they don't, they don't feel that they will be a viable culture. Many of them, not all, of course, many of them don't believe they can, that two viable, strong cultures can operate in one America. That's why the, the, the policing system very often and the governmental approach to black people proves that there are two Americas because the fear of a one America, some people are afraid of a one, one America because they are afraid that in order for one to become equal with another, that the other has to lose its standing. You can be powerful, but so can I. Why can't you have a PhD, but so can I? Why can't you live where you want to live? But so can I. Why can't you have same access to, to stocks, bonds, and opportunity? Why do you have to gold ten every shot I try to make, according to David Hampton? Why do you have to gold ten every shot I try to make in society? And right before my shot goes in, you wipe away my, my shot. Like you're, you're, you're attending how well my progress can go. David, my friend, my frat brother, David Hampton, gives an analogy that white privilege is, is like this, that we need to unify to try to fight. It's like a basketball player shooting his shot, and then right at the last second, a, a player from the opposing team jumps up and smacks the ball right away from the goal, which is a foul. You, if that ball is in that cylinder where the goal is, you can't mess with it then because the ball has reached its goal to score points. If you go up there and you tick your hand in that rim, in that cylinder, and take that ball away, that's called goaltending. Uh, many, many people in the world today, many whites in the world today, goaltend the efforts of black people. They sit down and make sure that they try to fight any efforts of progress of black people. I am of the view that Donald Trump became president because, because uh, a black Obama made such change to America. And for many people, change is frightening. Most people assume that if things change, I won't have what I had. And that's why many people are afraid of integration. And that's why segregation is so important. Because if you come near me, you might become as me. And the last thing I need to do is have to contend, contend with you on equal footing. <laughs> you follow me? It's amazing how so many people, for example, is buying all these guns today they, they don't have a problem with one culture having guns, but they have a problem when the other cultures get guns too. That's the cowardice mentality. That they don't have a problem with one group having all the guns, but when another group starts showing that they can have the power and authority to get guns and are willing to use them too, all of a sudden, this is unlawful. We don't want them to have guns. We don't want them to have guns. Why? You got them. So what we have to do is find a way to unify and become one so that everything that is a right for one culture is the same opportunity and right for other cultures. And the number one way to do it is the vote. But we will never be able to vote properly until we learn to say the same thing. And many of us today don't realize as a culture, post-traumatic slave disorder has so splintered our psyche 
that many of us don't even know that we are fighting each other when we don't vote. We are fighting each other when we don't vote. And do you know what? Uh, I need to say this to somebody today. Let me, let me talk about this. We got to learn to say the same thing. In the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse number 14. So the, the first way to, to, to begin to unify and bring our power is to start saying the same thing. Why is that? Because when you start saying the same thing, we start creating the same realities. Uh, everything that God makes, he speaks it into existence. When God wanted to make you a salvation, the Bible, he, he, he sent Jesus and called him the word. In John chapter one, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. That word dwelt among us and became flesh. And we beheld his glory. That, that word is Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse three says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And so everything God makes, he speaks it into existence. He uses word to create it. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. And so words are important. When God wanted to stop what they were doing in the power of Babel at the tower of Babel, he confused their words. The, the, the whole world was of one speech and one language. Multiple languages came from God stopping the power of uh, the, the efforts of the people, the tower of Babel. And then we have different languages and different dialects. Cause the Bible opens up in Genesis chapter 11, verse one saying that the whole world was one language then it said it was one speech, which means they spoke one, one word and there was only one way that they spoke that one language. Okay. But after that, there were many languages and then it became variations of how people spoke those various languages. Now, so when God, so it is powerful when people say the same thing, when God got ready to bring the church together and make it powerful on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, God brought all the 50 nations back together and gave them one language, which was the heavenly language and symbolic. And he, he baptized with fire the tongues of the disciples of the 120 people in the upper room, symbolic of him bringing language into one speech again. All those 50 nations, which were there, 50 means Penta, all those 50 nations uh, were there on the day of Pentecost, 50 nations on the day of Pentecost for the feast of the Passover. And all those languages were different. When the Holy Spirit landed on the tongue of those apostles, they began to speak all in the same languages of the 50 nations, some of which they had not even been to. That was God reversing what he had did by grace, what, it, what he had done in the Old Testament at the Tower of Babel. In, in Romans chapter um, 15 and verse uh, 5, look at what God's, God tells his people to do. He says, now make the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded, verse 5, toward one another according to Jesus Christ, the one that asked for us to be one. Verse 6 says, that so that you may be with one mind and, and one mouth glorify God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have got to be learned to become one. The, the, the body of Christ is so ridiculously splintered. We don't, we, and the problem is, what's amazing is, all we'd have to do to agree is to just read the word of God. That's all we'd have to do to get on the same page is to agree. If you look with me real quick here in the book of Ephesians, chapter number four.
you'll find us being called to be one. In the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians in verse number one, he says, I therefore, Paul says, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with your call, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. How do we do that? In the bond of peace. Whenever there is strife and division, there is no peace and there's no unity and there's no power to our faith when there's no unity. Whatsoever two or three are gathered together in my name. In other words, who is Jesus? He's the word of God. So when two or three gather together according to a promise of the word of God, there is unity because there is peace. Jesus in, in, in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six calls him, Isaiah calls him the prince of peace. He says in John chapter 14, and I believe verse 27, my peace I give unto you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. God gives us peace so that we can not, so we can avoid divisions as we come together in unity. Look at what he says about unity. The apostle Paul says about unity. Verse three again, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Paul then explains, reminds us of something. There is one body. Verse four, one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope, which is to glorify God and what you do of your calling. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now I need everybody to understand something. We need to make some serious decisions about unity. It's, I want, I want to confront some questions on this, uh, some people directly in this camera. Do you really believe God wants children, women having hysterectomies in cages? Or, or, or hysterectomies and their children separated from them forever living in cages. Do you really believe God is telling Donald Trump to try to stop the post office from delivering fair ballots? Do you really believe God, the Holy Spirit, is telling Russia to interfere in the American election? Do you really feel that God takes away a person's right to choose to be gay. I don't believe that it's the will of God for people to be, to practice that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is that throughout scripture, what you have is a consistent move of God showing that he is choice, a God of choice. You choose what you want to do. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. In Joshua chapter 27 and verse 15, chapter 24 and verse 15. God let Adam and Eve choose to sin and didn't stop them. Do you really think that God is behind the lying and the stealing? Do you think God is telling, told Donald Trump to sleep with a porn star five days after the birth of his youngest child? Do you believe God told him to pay her off? Do you really believe that God is behind uh, uh, Trump calling nations that God made an s-hole nation? Do you really believe that? 
Do you re- do you really believe that they, that, that in Charlotte, that the Charlottesville, they were good people on both sides when one some one of the so-called good people drove his vehicle and killed Heather Heyer? We need to stop supporting the lies and evil of Donald Trump as though God is for him. God is not for racism. I heard a woman foolishly say that in the same way about these masks, a woman, I quote, just like George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe. Me being mandated to wear this mask is me not being able to breathe. This taking away my freedom. You mean to tell me that somehow you believe it's right as a Trump supporter to equate a man being choked for eight minutes and 46 seconds while he screams he can't breathe? You want to equate that with being asked to wear a mask so that your cough doesn't kill me? You think God is in that? Listen, God is, uh, is supposed to be the centerpiece of the U.S. Constitution. We're supposed to be uh, uh, a country with uh, with one nation under God with liberty and justice. How just is it that you get to walk into a place with corona and cough and sneeze on me and I can't ask you to put on a covering not to do that? What if somebody came in and coughed and sneezed on your child not wearing a mask? Would you be okay with that? We've got to come together. And when we come together in unity, nothing can stop us. Listen, I want to talk a couple of minutes about about uh, something me and some pastors and some city leaders have gotten together to try to bring unity uh, to early voting. The, there's a phone number that's going to be on this screen. That phone number is 317-821-7539. 317-821-7539. That is the number that you, you can call to get a ride, a pickup from one of four locations, four locations that will uh, take you to early voting. One of the locations is the Antioch Church. Another location is uh, the Mount Olive Church. And I'm going to come back to you and be giving you the other two locations. We w- we're going to start picking up people and dropping them off at five at the five early voting locations, which will be on the screen uh, uh, in just a second. Five early voting locations every weekend, every weekend, beginning um, October the 11th, Sunday. We're going to be picking people up, taking them to the, the city county building, the Warren location, the Lawrence location, the Cranard location. We're going to, and, and the St. Luke location. We're going to be taking people to early voting so we can stop this notion that November 3rd is the day to vote. November 3rd is not the day to, to vote. The last day to vote is November 3rd. I need you to have your voting done and over with starting tomorrow, October 6th, on through, uh, every day, on through. No, uh, November the 2nd at noon. So that number, 317-821-7539, is going to be, is going to be getting rides. We're going to have vans and buses and people at particular hours on, on the Saturdays, the weekends of the early voting, which is all through October 
uh, in the last, even the last month, even Halloween, that at that time. We're going to be picking up people from various locations, dropping you off. They're on the buses. There will be a machine that sanctifies the buses before you get on it. The vans before you get on it, they won't have a problem. There'll be uh, socially distancing on the buses, uh, on the vans. There'll be masks on the vans. The drivers will have masks. It will be, all be safe. And every time they're picking up a new load, they're going to be uh, sanctifying that bus. I also want to let you know, uh, Oct- October 5th is the last day to register to vote. October 5th. You have got to be registered uh, be, if you want to vote early, uh, October 6th and on throughout the election. If you want to vote even on the last day of voting, which is November 3rd, you got to get registered. Please don't wait. Don't be sitting on the outside of this wishing that you had a done, had a gotten involved. Please, I, I implore you, get registered to vote and then get out and vote. And we're going to make this a historic move. You know, John Lewis, who recently was called on to be with glory, said we ought to get into good trouble. I need you to take, do what it takes to vote. And don't vote just for your mama. Vote because you're voting in what you want to have happen. I want to tell you something. If you think Donald Trump has had, it's been a mess before, let him get back into four years of office. The lie, you're going to see the kind of lies he told during this campaign. He's going to be a, a, a monster of epic proportions if he can get back in office. Let's stop that. Let's get him out of office and then immediately go to work on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris about a black agenda, about getting these children out of these cages, about getting some 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 equality into this uh, 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 away from this class system in America to get some economic balance, to get some funds moving to get these businesses that were lost in the pandemic and to get this pandemic under control. This man in office lied to you. And people are dead. Look, this has been my show today. We're in for a fight, but we can win a fight if we if we all stick together. This has been my show today. God bless you. I'll be back to, with you next week. I'm looking forward to, to getting people to the polls and the souls to the polls. Pick up and drop off. Again, the number 317-821-7539. Someone will answer. You can leave a message if no one answers. And we will get you picked up at one of those locations we talked about. I'll be coming back to you in special editions and different live feeds talking to you about what it takes to get you to the polls. In life, you're constantly making moves one way or another. Right now, don't sit still. Don't you wake up on November 4th tripping about what the election results were when you did nothing. In life, you're making moves. Since we're always making moves, why don't you make your moves moves that matter? My faith is strong. I believe God. We're going to do all we can to make sure there's a change in America. This has been Dr. Clyde Posley, host of the Moves That Matter show. God bless you, and I will see you next week. Keep the faith.